one thing I know for sure, don't do it like me. Do it like you. Brooklyn! I love you, Miles. Yeah, I know, Dad. You gotta say I love you back. Dad, are you serious? I, I wanna, wanna hear it. it. You wanna hear me I say it? I love you, Dad. You're dropping me I off out of school? I love you, Dad. Look at this place. Dad, I love you. Dad, I love you. That's a copy. Welcome back to Geek Explain, the podcast for comics, film, TV, and more. You name it, we Geek Explain it. I'm your host, Eric Azana, and today's episode is all about Miles Morales. Now, for those of you who don't know, Miles Morales was formerly the Spider-Man of the Ultimate Universe, and the Ultimate Universe is a, uh, a parallel universe to our mainstream Marvel 616 continuity. The uh, Ultimate Universe is universe it's earth i think 1610 recently there's been a uh, couple trailers released for spider-man into the spider-verse which is going to be sony's first animated spider-man film being released in theaters and it features miles morales as the main character which is really cool because miles is an awesome character and i'm really excited for it i know a lot of other people are really excited for it this episode is entirely dedicated to telling you everything you need to know about miles before you go see the movie this december it's really exciting i'm, I'm excited to talk about this character i've been a fan of him for a really long time we will go ahead and jump right into it so join us for this week as we explain miles morales Alright, ladies and gentlemen, got my notes, let's get rolling. We're going to start off with the publication history for Miles Morales. Now, Miles first appeared in Ultimate Comics Fallout No. 4 in September of 2011. He was created by Brian Michael Bendis and Sarah Pacelli. And what's interesting about Miles is that the creative process that went into making Miles was kind of an extended process. It took over three years to... Uh, from conception all the way to his first debut. And it's interesting because his, the idea of a, of a deviation from the traditionally Caucasian Spider-Man started all the way back in 2008. And this was right around the time, as they say, right before the election of uh, Barack Obama as our president. And the Marvel editor-in-chief at the time was looking at the idea that we would be electing our first African-American president. And he thought, maybe this is kind of a time to look at our own icons and change what the perception is of these characters. And one of the characters that they looked at was Spider-Man. Now, they set it aside as kind of a goal for later on, and they kind of went on ahead. Uh, there was an idea that he was going to debut in the storyline Ultimatum, which was around the 2008-2009 area and uh, kind of was almost a soft reset for the Ultimate Universe. It was a storyline where Magneto kind of went crazy and killed a bunch of the Ultimate Marvel heroes. And... There's a part, there's a point in that story where it looks like Peter Parker, the ultimate Peter Parker, died. And 
it was kind of a big deal. They didn't know what was going to happen, but they decided to table it for later. And at the end of the story revealed that Peter was in fact alive and he had survived the whole ordeal. Now, what's interesting, and I guess I should probably explain, the Ultimate Universe is a parallel Earth to the mainstream Marvel Universe. All of the Earths in the Marvel Multiverse have designations. They're normally like numbered. Uh, the mainstream comics Marvel Universe is Earth 616. The Ultimate Universe is Mar Marvel Earth 1610. And even the MCU has a Marvel designation too. And the Ultimate Universe was kind of created to update the Marvel Universe. There was a lot of feeling especially around the early 2000s that the characters that they had come to know and love could do with a bit of updating a bit of bringing them into the 21st century so through brian michael bendis and his stellar run on ultimate spider-man it created this whole universe that took all the characters that you're familiar with and put an extra little spin on them uh such changes are like the idea that um, Wolverine might actually be the parent of Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Uh, there's the idea that um, they kind of made Captain America, Ultimate Captain America, kind of an asshole, <laughs> to be totally honest. But what they really did great was Spider-Man. Uh, Bendis and of course we have to talk about uh, Mark Bagley on art that is a seminal run that is something that if you are a fan of Spider-Man you need to read the ultimate Spider-Man uh, run the entire Bendis Bagley odyssey I guess would be a word to describe it is something that I think not just as a Spider-Man fan but as a car as a Marvel Comics fan you should take it upon yourself to read now going back to uh the creation of miles it's interesting because he and this has been said multiple times in interviews and what have you that the creation of my miles was heavily influenced by donald glover uh, for those of you who don't know Donald Glover, he is an actor. He's also a rapper under the name Childish Gambino. He was in the recent solo movie playing Lando Calrissian. And no, I haven't seen it yet still. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm just... I'm waiting. I've heard a lot of good things, but I'm still kind of on the fence about it. But Bendis was looking for a palette looking for kind of a starting point to create this character and he was inspired by this online campaign that Don donald glover at this point back in 2010 2011 was campaigning to be the next spider-man and at this point they were creating the amazing spider-man uh set of films that eventually uh starred andrew garfield and emma stone as gwen stacy and this was a huge there was a huge upswell of support for donald glover who basically said why can't peter parker be black why can't spider-man be black and donald glover who is a self-professed nerd on every level really like dug his heels in and got a lot of the community behind him 
And even though the role still went to Andrew Garfield for the more, again, traditional Peter Parker, there was still a lot of interest garnered by Donald Glover. And later on, Bendis actually saw Donald Glover in the show Community, one of my all-time favorite shows, actually wearing kind of a Spider-Man costume. It was in the episode Anthropology 101, and he was wearing the set of Spider-Man pajamas. And Bendis looked at that and thought, I would read that book. So that provided the basis for Miles' creation, and that is the publishing history for the character. Now next up, we're going to be talking about his abilities, the power set that Miles is dealing with. And as with others who have been bitten by a radioactive spider, he has what's called the spider physiology, which gives him super strength, super speed, super stamina, super durability, uh, enhanced agility, enhanced reflexes, also gives him the ability to wall crawl and attach to surfaces, and it gives him a spidey sense, though it's been stated on multiple occasions that his spidey sense isn't as, um, I guess, effective as Peter Parker's, in that his only alerts him to immediate danger, and it's not more of a uh, sixth sense idea like Peter's is. He also has a couple abilities that Peter doesn't have, including bioelectrokinesis. So this includes the ability to channel uh, a certain amount of bioelectricity through his body, and this is channeled out in a variety of ways. Um, He's able to do what he calls a venom blast, where he can essentially administer a bioelectric shock to people through his fingertips. It's able to paralyze certain enemies, otherwise it can also stun them momentarily, but he's also able to channel this ability into what he calls his venom punches, which is where he charges his fists with his bioelectricity kind of gives them more oomph. And this has also manifested itself as what he calls the Mega Venom Blast, which is something he discovered just recently, where he is able to expel all of his bioelectricity out in one giant burst. And it's kind of similar to Superman's supernova ability that he kind of had for a little while and doesn't seem to have anymore. But it's super powerful, though it does drain him of his abilities and makes him useless for a short amount of time before he's able to recover. His second unique ability is camouflage. He's able to physically camouflage himself to his surroundings, basically turning him invisible. Uh, He also has an accelerated healing factor, and this is debatable at the time, but he also has a form of immortality. Now, this is due to the Oz formula that gave him his powers through the spider bite, and we'll get into that a little bit later as well. But for now, let's go ahead and jump into the history of Miles Morales. Now, Miles was born and raised in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York, and he was born to his father, Jefferson Davis, and his mother, Rio Morales. It's not explicitly stated why... He goes by his mother's name, but as you can probably tell, he is a multi-ethnic kind of kid. 
He is uh, African-American on his dad's side and Latino on his mom's side. Now, his father, Jefferson, has a bit of a past. Him and his brother, Aaron Davis, were formerly criminals. And while Jefferson chose to set that past aside to focus on his family and it ended up becoming a police officer, his brother Aaron continued to or continued down this path of being a criminal. And it put a lot of strain on Aaron's relationship with uh, Jefferson's family, though he did decide that he wanted to be a part of Miles' life. So him and Miles have a really like really tight personal bond. Uh, they're very close, and even though Jefferson doesn't approve of Aaron and of Aaron being friends with Miles, he does respect Miles' wish to be friends with his uncle. Now, we meet Miles pretty soon after he is awarded the final spot in a charter school lottery. Now, this is really exciting for him. He comes from kind of a lower middle class background. And this is the opportunity for him to have a better life. So he's really excited about getting this opportunity. And the first person that he goes to to tell about him winning this lottery is his uncle Aaron. Now, unbeknownst to Miles, Aaron also doubles as the criminal The Prowler. Now, the Prowler is a... <laughs> he's kind of a uh, low-end Spider-Man villain. He's essentially just a really, really great thief, and he uses what he steals to power his tech and his suits to allow him to be better at stealing. And the night before, uh, Aaron broke into the abandoned Oscorp, which had been derelict and abandoned ever since the death of Norman Osborn. So Aaron breaks into this Oscorp lab, which no one's been in there in months, and unbeknownst to him, while he's uh, scrounging around trying to find stuff that he can steal and later sell, a radioactive spider crawls into his bag. And this spider, just like the spider that bit the ultimate version of Peter Parker, was injected with the Oz formula, which in this reality is kind of the catch-all for superpowers when it comes to the immediate uh, Spider-Man books. And while Miles is visiting Aaron, this spider crawls out of Aaron's bag and bites Miles. And Miles, it's <laughs> it's a really great uh, panel. If you've heard about Miles, you probably have seen this. And it's Miles sitting on his uncle's couch and just like nonchalantly like looking down at this spider, which, if it was me, be freaking terrifying because I can't stand spiders. Um, just biting him, and the look on his face is like, oh, okay, so this is happening. So he proceeds to pass out, and he doesn't wake up for a while. He starts foaming at the mouth, and when he finally does wake up, his father Jefferson is there, and they get in a fight about uh, him going to see Aaron when Jefferson doesn't want him to go see him. So Miles runs away. He gets some air, and this is when he discovers his powers. He almost gets hit by hit by a cab, jumps over it, shows that he can stick to different surfaces, 
And so the first person that he goes and confides in is his best friend, Genki. Now, if you need any kind of visual representation of what Genki is, it's essentially Ned from the Spider-Man Homecoming movie. And it really, it really bothers me that they did that because Ned is a completely different character in the comics. And the relationship between Ned and Peter in Homecoming is Miles and Genki just ripped. Just totally stolen from uh, Miles' comic and put into this relationship. But th that's kind of the relationship that they have. So he lets Genki know that, hey, these are my powers. And Genki's like, oh man, like you, you it, it sounds like you have the same powers as Spider-Man. And so they're not sure exactly what to do but before they're able to discuss it further they come upon a burning building you know classic superhero trope and miles decides to jump in and try and help out and he ends up saving an older woman a little girl and her dog and it's this really like triumphant moment but miles vomits afterwards <laughs> He was so nervous, he was so scared, and he confesses to Genki, like, I don't want these powers. I just want to live a normal life. I just want to be a normal person. And he doesn't doesn't do anything with these powers. So two months pass. He has tried his best to live a normal life, just ignoring these powers, when his charter school is kind of brought under lockdown, and all the students are pulled into the gymnasium where the teachers inform them that the Ultimates, which is this world's version of the Avengers, are having a battle on the Queensboro Bridge, and it's announced to them that Spider-Man has been shot by a sniper. Now, Miles, realizing that he probably is the best person to help Spider-Man, escapes his school to try and find Spider-Man and try to help him, and he arrives too late because following spider-man getting shot by uh the sniper which ended up actually being the ultimate version of the punisher uh spider-man returned home to find that the sinister six were attacking his family and he has this big climactic battle with the sinister six and a revived norman osborne in which both of them end up killing each other in the ensuing battle and Miles arrives just in time to see Peter dying in Mary Jane's arms. And he pushes his way through the crowd and ends up running into this world's version of Gwen Stacy, who is alive. And he asks, you know, does, any, does anybody know who Spider-Man is? Like, what's going on? And Gwen tells him that his name is Peter Parker. So following this, Miles is racked with guilt he believes that he could have saved peter he could have helped uh he attends peter's funeral and this is where he runs into gwen one more time and she gives him the famous with great power comes great responsibility line and miles essentially being inspired by this decides that he is going to carry on the spider-man mantle to make sure that this message of with great power comes great responsibility continues on and that spider-man continues to be a presence in new york and so he uses this makeshift costume which was uh 
Genki's former uh, Halloween costume, so it's a little loose, a little big, and he ends up running into Kangaroo, who is in the Ultimate Universe, this like fairly strong, kind of thuggish, uh, low, t- like small time villain, and he ends up beating him, but. As he's fighting him, the uh, the passerby, the citizens are all kind of commenting on like, whoa, man, that's wearing the Spider-Man costumes in really poor taste. Like, you probably shouldn't do that. And at the end, uh, Spider-Man or uh, Miles is just like, yeah, maybe I should change this up. This isn't like, maybe this is disrespectful. I don't know. And it's around this time that he's intercepted by Spider-Woman, who in this universe is still Jessica Drew but is also, instead of being her own character, is a clone, a female clone of Peter. I know, Ultimate Universe is really weird, (laughs) but uh, at this point, uh, Jessica's been established for a while as Spider-Woman, and she webs him up, he trips, he knocks himself out, and wakes up in S.H.I.E.L.D. custody. And he is questioned by uh, Spider-Woman, by Nick Fury, by Hawkeye, and by Iron Man. And they're all doing a couple different like DNA tests on him to see what the deal is. And as this is going on, Electro, who has been under S.H.I.E.L.D. custody, breaks out. And he is able to defeat Spider-Woman, Hawkeye, and Iron Man. But Miles, using his street smarts, as well as his differing powers his camouflage along with his venom blast is able to defeat electro and following this shield gives him their blessing and actually makes him a new suit which is the suit that most people are familiar with him in the black and red and they also give him a set of (laughs) of shield web shooters so they're basically like the normal web shooters just with shield branding on them to i guess let them know that he's affiliated with shield and sponsored so he debuts as the new spider-man and catches the attention pretty quickly of the daily bugle uh betty brandt of this universe is really committed to finding out what's his deal and during this time miles realizes you know i've still got a lot to learn i'm only 15 i'm i need to figure this whole crime fighting thing out so what he does is he gets spider-man the movie which in this universe is a film about spider-man fighting doc ock so it's their world's version of our spider-man 2 except because and this is so like hollywood budget instead of actually having the actors in the film do the fight scenes they just filtered in recorded footage of spider-man actually fighting doc ock so using this movie miles studies peter's fighting styles how he approaches situations and he's able to i guess evolve his style and start to he has a ground point where he can start to build up and it's around this time that he discovers that his uncle Aaron is the prowler and he confronts him he's like dude what the hell like this is you're still a criminal i thought you put this behind you and they agree to team up for a short time and during this point they are able to defeat the scorpion by teaming up 
and the prowler who with all his best intentions still is a criminal at heart tries to recruit miles and wants to use him as his muscle and miles realizes like this is wrong i understand now why my parents didn't want me hanging out with you you're a bad influence all you want is this life of crime and you want me to join you and to make your jobs easier so they fight and prowler uses these shot gauntlets to counteract miles venom blast though he didn't account for the fact that these gauntlets were stolen and he doesn't know really how to use them so the gauntlets end up exploding and mortally wounding prowler so at the end of the battle, Miles is holding his uncle Aaron, and Aaron looks at him straight in the face as he dies, and he says, you're just like me. And this really shakes up Miles' confidence in himself, but fortunately enough for him, he doesn't get a whole lot of time to think about that, because it's pretty soon after this that he encounters the Peter Parker of the 616 universe. Uh, somehow Peter finds himself transported to Earth 1610 and runs into Miles, and the two of them don't really know about each other. Peter doesn't know that this world's version of him is dead, so him and Miles immediately are just like, who the heck are you? And they start fighting. And while Peter has a clear experience advantage on Miles, Miles takes him by surprise with his extra abilities and ends up using his Venom Blast to incapacitate Peter. So he brings Pete back to S.H.I.E.L.D. and Nick Fury, and they are trying to figure out what he's doing here, what the whole deal is, when they are attacked by Mysterio, who seems to be the uh, mastermind behind this whole plot. By the way, if that sounds familiar to you, we did an episode on Mysterio not two weeks ago, so check that out. It's a really good episode. I really enjoyed it. So Peter, at this point, decides that he's going to stick around. He's going to help Miles fight Mysterio because they've they found out that the ultimate Mysterio is just a robot avatar controlled by the Mysterio of the 616 universe. And it's around this time that Peter ends up running into the uh, Aunt May, Gwen, and Mary Jane of the ultimate universe. And he has this really, really touching moment with them because in his world... Um, Aunt May is a little bit older, and Gwen, of course, is dead. And in this reality, Gwen and May lost their Peter. So it's really touching, really beautiful. And following this, Peter, who has been reinvigorated by these interactions, decides that he is going to defeat Mysterio. So him and Miles are able to defeat Mysterio in the ensuing battle, and it's decided that Mysterio is going to be kept in the Ultimate Universe because he knows the identity of... Uh, he knows Peter's secret identity. So following this, Miles is approached by Aunt May, Gwen, and Mary Jane, and they are wanting to give him uh, Ultimate Peter's web shooters. They say, you know, you've spent enough time as Spider-Man, you've earned them. And they give him not just the web shooters, but they also give him uh, web fluid, and they give him uh, Peter's formula to create more web fluid. And Miles is a smart kid, uh, so he is able to basically reverse engineer these uh, web fluid 
and web cartridges to mimic Peter's original web fluid, which is much stronger than what he was using with the shield web shooters. But it's at the same time that the Captain America of this world shows up and basically tells him, you're a kid, you're not cut out for this, you need to quit. Like I said earlier, Captain America in this world is kind of a dick. And so Captain America gets the call that Rhino's tearing up downtown New York, so he leaves. And at this point, Aunt May, in one of the most Aunt May sequences in comics, period, hands Miles the web shooters and says, don't do what Peter Parker would do. Do what Miles Morales would do. And Miles decides, I'm going to be a hero. I don't care what Captain America says. So he shows up in New York. He helps Cap defeat the Rhino. And following this, Cap basically says, okay, I'm going to give you a shot. You mess this one chance up, you're done, but I will give you a shot. And it's pretty soon after this that Cap is actually elected president of the U.S. Again, the Ultimate Universe is kind of wacky in that way. (laughs) But he is elected the president of the United States, and around the same time, he gives Spider-Man a kind of... I want to say like a probationary spot on the Ultimates, which again are the ultimate version of the Avengers. And it's around this time that Modi, the son of Thor, shows up and he wants to conquer the Earth, you know, just like his dear old Uncle Loki. And he takes over the state of Wisconsin and uses his mind control to recreate and make a new version of Hydra. And this ends up in this big civil war where there are sects of Hydra agents that Modi has created through his mind control that start popping up. And it makes the U.S. essentially as another civil war in modern time. And Cap, who again is president at this point, pulls together this ragtag team of Ultimates, including Spider-Man, and they go to Wisconsin. And during the ensuing battle, Spider-Man fights against uh, Cassie Lang, who is Giant Woman. Now, if that name sounds familiar to you, that's the daughter of Scott Lang, who in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is Ant-Man. In this universe, she's fully grown, and she is using the Giant Man formula. Later on, she adopts the superhero identity of Stature. But at this point, she's being mind-controlled, so Miles is able to defeat her, along with the rest of Modi's forces and the Ultimates are able to come out victorious. Unfortunately, Miles has been really shaken by this whole ordeal. He is used to small-time New York crimes that Spider-Man can easily take on, so he quits. He says, Ultimates aren't for me. I'm going to stick around and make sure I'm a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And Spider-Woman shows up, and they had kind of a rocky relationship at the beginning, but Spider-Woman is genuinely like concerned about him and takes his takes him home and gives him an excuse for his family on why he was gone for so long. Now following this, we find ourselves at one of the darkest parts of Miles' time as Spider-Man. This is, of course, the Venom War storyline. Now, during the previous conflict where Hydra was sprouting up all over the U.S., uh, Jefferson, Miles' dad, fought against Hydra in New York and kind of got this uh, local fame for defending New York against Hydra. And this involves like a lot of reporters chasing him down, chasing down Miles, trying to get interviews on, you know, what's it like to be the son of a hero? 
And around this time, uh, Dr. Conrad Marcus uses a sample of the formerly the Venom symbiote that Oscorp had been tinkering with to become the new Venom. And he is driven insane by this symbiote. And through the uh, research done by uh, Betty Brandt, believes that Jefferson, Miles' dad, is the new Spider-Man. And so during one of the interviews that he's giving, Venom attacks him and wounds him pretty bad. But Miles, of course, swings in, rescues his dad, and fights Venom, and Venom escapes through the sewers. Now, following this, Miles is confronted by this universe's version of Maria Hill, who is a detective with the NYPD and has kind of figured out that Miles is Spider-Man. And he is confronted by her basically saying, you need to stop this. Like, Spider-Man fights and he stops Venom. That's what he does. And Miles kind of brushes her off and moves on to try and uh, keep his family safe. Now, right around this time, Venom attacks the hospital that Jefferson is being held at. And he believes that for Venom to be complete, he has to be bonded with Spider-Man again. So he attacks Jefferson at the hospital, Miles intervenes, and Venom tries to consume Miles, tries to live off his life force and complete with, and basically uh, combine with him again. But he's stopped by Miles' mom, Rio, who in one of the most badass moments is just like laying into this guy with bullets. Of course, bullets do nothing against Venom, unfortunately. So, following this, Venom mortally wounds Rio, Miles' mom, and Miles uses his Venom Blast to separate uh, the symbiote from Dr. Marcus, and Marcus is shot and killed by police, while the symbiote actually escapes, and we still to this day don't know what happened to it. Um, Miles takes his mother to safety and, unfortunately, cradles her in his arms as she dies. He reveals himself to her, um, screams for someone to help them, but Rio basically tells him that she's proud of him and not to tell his father because I think we all agree that his relationship with his dad really hinges upon the fact that Miles is as ordinary as he can be um following this miles passes out and he wakes up in uh Genki's apartment immediately jumps up runs into the other room takes his costume and rips it to shreds as he shouts no more and this begins a really interesting time in miles life because he stay he quits he quits being spider-man for an entire year and while that might not be a lot of time uh, in retrospect in comics, it's quite a while when you're doing this day-to-day, -day, every single day, being a superhero for you to just stop for an entire year. And during this time, multiple people have come to him to try and get him back in the game, and he refuses because in his mind, him being a superhero is what cost his mom her life. And... We catch up with Miles a year later, and he is dating the ultimate version of Kate Bishop. Now, in the 616, Kate Bishop is the second Hawkeye, and 
she doesn't really seem to be the same character here, but it's interesting that they made that parallel. And during this time, he has settled into a normal life, he has a girlfriend, he's keeping to himself, and he is approached by Spider-Woman, Jessica Drew, who reveals her origin as a clone to Miles. And they have this long conversation where they talk about their place in the universe, their place in new york their place in the greater uh superior community and she and Ganki are able to convince him to take up the mantle again and it's just in time because right around this point the age of ultron comic event happens now for those of you who might be pretty familiar with the marvel films age of ultron is very different in the comics. They basically just lifted the title for the film. The Age of Ultron comic deals with uh, Wolverine and the Invisible Woman going back in time after they have been living under a Ultron-ruled future. They come back, they fix, or they come back with this idea that they can kill Hank Pym to stop Ultron from ever being created, so they go back in time, they kill him, they come back, everything's changed, they go back again, they fix it, they come back, everything's changed, they go back one more time, they kill their first iterations that came back to kill Hank Pym, so everything changes again, and through all of the this meddling in the time stream, reality breaks, and this is where a lot of uh, things come into the universe, into the Marvel multiverse, that weren't there before, like the Spawn character Angela comes into the Marvel Universe. And one of these uh, kind of side effects of the universe breaking is that the 616 Galactus comes to the Ultimate Universe. And Galactus in the Ultimate Universe was very different from the 616 Galactus. Uh, the Ultimate Galactus was basically the swarm of... Uh, planet-eating robots that all shared one hive mind and they were able to repel them because ultimately they were machines they were able to be reprogrammed and galactus is not not that (laughs) so galactus shows up and he is ready to chow down on the ultimate earth because he recognizes that this isn't the earth i come from i can take this and uh Miles takes up the Spider-Man mantle just in time to show up in Jersey and rescue civilians from the damage, the widespread damage that Galactus arriving causes. And he is recruited by the Ultimates and given a membership once again to try and combat Galactus and this world-ending threat. Now, they do a bunch of research and... The Tony Stark of this universe sends Miles and, at this point, the villainous Reed Richards to the 616 universe to ask for help because they don't know how to fight this Galactus, so they figure the Reed of that universe might. So they go there, they're able to get the information they need, and they return, and they're able to repel Galactus and send him packing back into the multiverse. Following this, Miles reveals his identity to Dad to his dad to jefferson and jefferson does not take it very well he blames miles for the death of not only his mother but also 
Jefferson's brother. He blames him for both the deaths of Aaron and Rio and abandons him. He leaves. He says, you're not my son anymore. And he just up and leaves, which again puts Miles at this crossroads in his life and is heartbroken. But right around this point, he is attacked along with uh, Jessica Drew by these things called the Inheritors. And this kicks off the Spider-Verse event where every Spider-Man from every universe shows up. They even reference the Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield Spider-Man in a couple panels, and it's it's hilarious. It's a great, great story. It's very lore-heavy if you don't know, if you're not on the up and up with your spider-man comics it might be a little confusing but it's a great story and i definitely recommend it um during this time he joins the superior spider-man because he doesn't know that this is doc ock in, in peter's body and not the peter that he met during the spider-men event and during this time both superior spider-man's spider army and uh, the 616 Peter's spider army combine, they attack, they defeat the, inf- the Inheritors, and Miles returns home. Shortly after uh, returning home, he discovers that the ultimate Peter is alive, somehow. We don't really know how, it's not really explained. Peter says that following his death, he woke up in a lab um, just, I want to say, like a couple days before right now made his way to new york and he doesn't know what happened so peter wants his web shooters back he wants to be spider-man again miles is like no i was given these spider-man's my deal now and they fight but right around this time they have to put aside their differences and team up to defeat a revived norman osborn and it's around this time that osborn reveals that the oz formula which is coursing not just through miles and peter's veins but also his own gives them a certain amount of immortality it's not really stated how in-depth this immortality is or how long it will last but osborne in this way claims to be miles surrogate dad and basically tells him like we're family now whether you like it or not and this oz formula is going to keep me alive just as long as it's going to keep you alive uh they battle they have this huge climactic battle where osborne actually burns out the remaining oz formula in his system and it reverts him back to his human state and he is shot and killed and following this the ultimate peter gives miles his blessing to officially be spider-man the undisputed spider-man gives him the web shooters back and says that he's going to travel the world and try to find out uh his purpose and find out where he fits in this world now unfortunately he's not going to have a whole lot of time to do that but we'll get into that in just a moment uh during this whole ordeal miles also reveals his secret identity to his girlfriend kate and unbeknownst to him and to kate as well actually Kate's parents are Hydra. They are part of the Hydra of this universe, and when Kate returns home and discovers that her parents are in fact part of Hydra, she, out of loyalty to her parents, reveals Miles' identity to them. So they drug him, they capture him, they bring him back to their base, and Miles is experimented on by Doctor Doom, who in this uh, universe has close ties to 
uh, Hydra as well as AIM. And during this experimentation, Miles manifests this new Mega Venom Blast ability, destroying all of the machinery around him as well as freeing him. Uh, but unfortunately, it also burns out his abilities, so he's not able to fight back. However, after he is being taken back to his cell, he finds out that Jessica was also captured and she is also being experimented on. And this is all he needs to regain his, uh, his second wind and fights Dr. Doom. And the two of them are able to defeat Doom as well as Hydra and are able to put the good doctor away. But following this, uh, Miles reunites with Kate and breaks it off with her, obviously. But he does forgive her, telling her that it's not her fault she was a scared kid, but that she really hurt him. And following this, they all go outside and they find that something's wrong with the sky. The sky's turned red. That's right, an incursion is happening. Now, in layman's terms, this was part of the Time Runs Out story, where the multiverse as we know it was collapsing in on itself, causing every Earth to crash into the one next to it. And this these incursions continue to happen all the way down to the final two Earths. And of course... Of course, for storyline purposes. The final two Earths were the 616 universe and the Ultimate Universe. And the final incursion were the two Earths smashing into each other. Now, during this incursion, both worlds tried to figure out a way to stop the incursion from happening. They weren't able to come to a solution, so they started to fight. Because they knew that the only way that one Earth could survive is the other one being destroyed in its place. Now... During this whole conflict, Miles finds his way onto an escaping ship, and this ship is controlled by the Cabal, which is this evil group consisting of Thanos, Namor, and a couple of other uh, notable villains. And as this ship escapes the ultimate Earth, the entire multiverse collapses and explodes. Now, this is part of the Secret Wars storyline, where... Doctor Doom, at the ends of the multiverse, uses infinite cosmic power to take pieces of every single Earth from the multiverse and patches them in together, creating one patchwork world called Battle World. Once Miles wakes up, he finds himself in the remnants of Manhattan from his world and convinces the remnants of the Ultimate Universe to rebel against Doctor Doom, who is basically made himself the god of this world and during this conflict he reunites with the 616 peter and subsequently the two of them are recruited by the reed richards of both the 616 and ultimate universes to infiltrate doomstadt which is dr doom's kind of home castle where he resides and infiltrating the castle they find the molecule man who is this being of infinite cosmic power and they find out that he is the source of doom's power and molecule man asks them hey you guys have anything to eat and for some whatever reason miles is like oh yeah totally i got a cheeseburger and pulls a cheeseburger out of his costume and gives it to the molecule man molecule man 
devours this burger, lets them know how to defeat Doom, and as they are leaving, lets Miles know, hey, I owe you one. And so the whole conflict ends up resolving with the 616 Reed getting Molecule Man's powers to defeat Doom and to reshape the multiverse. And as this whole universe collapses in on itself and is birthed anew, Miles and Peter end up being the only two who remember Battleworld. And Miles remembers Molecule Man's promise that he owes him one. And pretty soon after this, we find out exactly what he meant, because Miles officially joins the mainstream Marvel Universe. He's one of the few who from the Ultimate Universe make the jump and are now part of the mainstream continuity. Uh, he finds that his mom is now alive again, his family is together again, neither of them know that he's Spider-Man, and he realizes that this favor that Molecule Man owed him, he came through on by reviving his mom and putting his family back together. Uh, you, we find that he also has been blended into the 616 history. We find out that his whole thing about being Spider-Man has now been inspired by Peter, though he remembers his old continuity. And it is here where he joins the new Avengers team alongside uh, Nova, the Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, Vision, the uh, Sam Wilson, Captain America, Iron Man, and the Jane Foster Thor. He is also sharing the Spider-Man mantle with Peter, and he is given the opportunity to try his hand at being a hero. And that's pretty much going to take us up to where we are right now. Um, I know that a lot has happened uh, since then, since this update that happened, I want to say in 2015, 2016. But I'm going to put it up to there because you should take the time and read Miles' solo, uh, his solo comic, which starts right here at this point. Uh, if you want, you can also pick up his adventures in the Avengers. I did and I really enjoyed it. Um, and later on, he also joined the team of the Champions, which has been a big favorite of mine. So that'll take us right up to uh, modern day. Like I said, check out his solo comic because it reunites Bendis and Pacelli, who were his original creators, to take on this uh, character in his own solo series again, up until, of course, Bendis... Uh, Lee left Marvel uh, recently just this past year and that's going to wrap up his current history again I don't want to spoil his current solo run because I believe you should definitely read it but what I can talk about is that new trailer that came out for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse uh, it's amazing <laughs> uh, long story short uh TLDR, it's amazing. Watch it and watch this movie when it comes out in December. But I did want to take a couple minutes to go through a po couple points that I really enjoyed about the trailer and what I really enjoyed about the first trailer as well. And it's going to be amazing. <laughs> this, uh, this film is kind of the first of its kind. It's really the first big, seriously taken animated movie for... Uh, Miles Morales and it's going to be I think something that we're going to look back on as the beginning of this renaissance for the character so 
Uh, the first thing I really want to talk about is the visuals. The art style is amazing. I've never, ever seen anything like what they're doing with it. It's a perfect blend of uh, 3D animation with comic book art. There's moments in this most recent trailer where you actually see thought bubbles when he is discovering his powers and he's trying to convince himself, I'm just a normal kid, it was just a normal spider. And you really see like how they've taken this time to craft this world. The world lives and breathes. You see every scene, the buildings, the streets, it feels like a living, breathing New York City. And it's really sold by miles. Uh, the actor whose name escapes me and i feel really bad i'm so sorry i know he totally listens to this podcast so i'm gonna apologize to him for not knowing his name but he has brought this likability to miles that miles inherently has but you really need to sell in a um in a visual audio um kind of realm and when you look at him he's a perfect lead character he's flawed he doesn't really know exactly what's happening most of the time so you get to go on this adventure with him and leading him on this adventure is peter parker and this is a peter that i'm sure a lot of us aren't really familiar with um, unless you are a fan of spider-man renew your vows which is an amazing series uh, this is kind of middle-aged Peter Parker, who seems to be really down on his luck. To me, honestly, he seems homeless. I'm not sure if uh, he is actually homeless, homeless, but it does look at, like at certain points when they're in the diner, he's got like his jacket on, this like really baggy jacket on over his Spider-Man costume, and he talks about, you know, I'm not really liquid right now. Uh, asking Miles for money, and <laughs> I'm interested to see this really down-on-your-luck Spider-Man, because that's Peter Parker's character as a whole. He is not this uh, super lucky guy. This whole idea of the Parker luck has been following him since his inception in the 60s, and so I'm interested to see this down-on-your-luck Peter who isn't quite ready to be a mentor, but is going to have to step into that role to teach Miles what he has to do. And another person who's going to be teaching Miles uh, right from wrong is Jefferson, his dad, who is spectacular in this most recent trailer. Uh, there's a moment at the beginning where he talks, where uh, he's driving Miles to school in the police car, and they pull up next to some of Miles' friends, and they're like, Miles, you know, are you, did you get arrested? And Miles just says, don't cops, like, don't cops... Um, uh what what does he what does he say he's like don't cops uh run red lights and jefferson goes yeah some cops do but uh not your dad and there's a moment at the end i i'm gonna try and make it the intro where he talks about uh he's dropping miles off at school and goes on the intercom when uh miles doesn't say i love you back and basically argues with him on the steps trying to get him to say i love you so uh it's it's really really great the vocal talent they got for this is phenomenal and i'm really excited another thing that i'm excited about is the soundtrack and through both trailers they've been using really great music to ingratiate you into the world and you can really tell that this is something that they're going for like this urban vibe to really sell that miles is a brooklyn kid and i think it gives this I don't know, this vibe that this is somebody who you can stick around with for a while, that this is the start of a greater story for Miles. And that's the last note that I have, is that 
Miles has enormous, enormous franchise potential. And if this movie does as well as I'm hoping it does based on the quality of these trailers, I think we're going to be seeing films about Miles for a good long while. And the idea that this is titled Into the Spider-Verse for me means that we could be following Miles jumping uh, universe hopping from world to world and finding that Peter, learning about these worlds and how they work, how they interact, and what Spider-Man means across the multiverse, which is a really exciting idea and really, for me, as an exciting concept, makes every single Spider-Man movie that's ever come out uh, canon. So uh, the Tom Holland Spider-Man is just as... Uh, matters just as much as the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, as much as the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. So I'm really excited about this movie. I'm really excited about this film. If you haven't seen these trailers, go watch them. And that is going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, thank you so much for listening. It has been kind of a tough week for me. Uh, my car has broken down and um, it's kind of a tough time. I'm trying to figure out what my uh, transportation system is going to be right now. It's been kind of tough because in LA, like you have to have a way to get around. So I am working on that. So the next, uh, next episode will, uh, God willing, will be on time. Uh, this one is a little late because I've been trying to figure out what's going on with that. But um, thank you so much for listening. It's been a pleasure. I love this character, and I'm really excited to see what he does going forward. I'm really excited about the film that's going to be coming out in December. And um, I hope that you guys enjoyed listening about him. Uh, if you did, please feel free to let me know. Uh, you can reach me by email at... Um, geeksplained at gmail.com or on Twitter at geeksplainedpod that's at geeksplainedpod and I would love to hear from you uh, whether you just want to talk about how much you love Miles whether you want to let me know um, how much you are looking forward to Spider-Man whether you want to let me know about some ideas you have for future episodes would love to talk to you guys would love to have that conversation so I will leave you there uh for geek explain this is eric azana thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time